What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 34 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games and news and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by the Edgelord with the Heart of Gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey, thanks. <laughs> and the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. Uh, the rest of our pals are uh, either coming home for the holidays, away for the holidays, so unfortunately uh, they will not be joining us this week, but um, I think they'll both be back next time. We'll see what happens. Uh, so, you know, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you here. Uh, I know we normally kick the show off by what we're playing this week, but uh, none of us had anything that was particularly interesting to talk about, so we're actually going to kick the show off with some reader mail. Uh, so we heard back from our buddy Jimmy, who's written into uh, both the Comics Pals and the Video Game Pals a couple times now. Um, so he commented on a couple of our YouTube videos, and uh, I just wanted to give him a shout-out. So uh, he actually commented all the way back on episode 12 of the Video Game Pals, uh, where it was just me and Thompson, and we did our uh, Castlevania review. Nice. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jimmy Jimmy wrote in, and he said, So I hadn't watched this episode because it was the one time I actually wanted to wait to hear spoilers on anything. I really wanted to watch Castlevania because it looked really cool. I loved it, so I'm glad I waited before listening. This means that I only just heard Thompson's response about the first law. I hope he likes the book recommendation. <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to check the book out? No, I know you, uh, I knew you were going to, but... Yeah, I, mean, I still have a... comics from, like, three Comic-Cons ago. So, yeah, I'm a little behind. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about that, man. Right. Yeah, so you'll have to you'll have to get that uh get that red one day. But here, there, at least you got the reminder there. Yeah. You did remind I forgot, me. <laughs> I forgot Jimmy had written in uh that was back on episode eleven. My god. Um yeah, so yeah, right? I can't believe he uh he went all the way back to listen to episode twelve after watching Castlevania. That's cause Jimmy's a true pal. Uh He's so a true believer. he also he also wrote in on our last episode, uh where we, you know, did our Doki Doki review and the game award stuff. And uh, he wrote in and said, hey, this is Jimmy. I've been a fan for a while and written a couple times before. I'm so glad to hear that. We know who you are, Jimmy. Don't worry about it. Uh, he said, I'm so glad to hear that the new Mega Man, or that new Mega Man content is coming out as well as some collections. I would love for them to do another Mega Man X game in the future because I think it's the best title out of all the series. I grew up on Mega Man X and I bought MVC just so I could play as X and Zero together again. I can't wait to get to the collect. I can't wait to get the collection and run through all these games. Also, congratulations to Sean and his guild, Beyond the Flames. Competitive gaming is amazing, and it's awesome to hear that they are doing so well. I've only just gotten into competitive gaming this last year with Injustice 2, but it's brought me such a great community and friends to play with. P.S. Fire Pokemon rule. Charizard is bae. How are you going to just break my heart like Ooh. that, Jimmy? Come on. Come I like on, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's got good book tastes, and he knows what's right. So, there you go. It's all right. Listen, listen, Jimmy. We can't all be right all the time. It's all right if you're wrong about your favorite Pokemon. That's oh okay. Here we go. Pete. Um, but yeah. So again, let's let's give another round of applause to Beyond the Flames. Good job, you guys. Thank you, uh, and thank you to Jimmy for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Just to give you a little update, um, we failed to kill a new boss this week. We got him to point one percent health. Are you kidding? Um, that's oh. that's crushing. That's crushing. It, it was pretty heartbreaking. And uh, little inside baseball, I I spent a little bit of time yelling at a certain somebody <laughs> for that. For that. Uh, oh yeah! Failure. Wow. Because it yeah it was uh, it fucked up. Yeah. So uh, pretty. <laughs> did, did he take Andy's unhappy. advice and stand in the fire? 
Something worse than that. Something oh, worse no. than even that. Oh my god, oh my worse god, than dude. that. Jesus. If, I if won't it's talk not... about it anymore. No. Okay, but... damn. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... But it's okay, because a lot of guilds haven't been able to kill this boss. We were ahead of the curve in terms of what we were able to accomplish, even nearly killing him. Uh, and so it'll definitely he'll definitely die on Tuesday. It's not a big deal. Dope. All right. Well, you'll have to let us know next week if you guys manage to pull it off. If we don't, I'm not going to be happy. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and then just to address the other part of your email, uh, Jimmy, yeah, we're all definitely really excited about Mega Man X as well. Um, and uh, just to clarify, uh, we're not 100% if it's going to be a Mega Man X collection. We're going to be getting the Legacy Collections 1 and 2 on Switch for the OG Mega Man. And we know that we're getting the X series re-released, but we're not 100% on if it's a collection. That's our speculation. So I just wanted to clarify that for you guys and any other listeners who might have been confused on that one. Um, but thanks again for writing in, Jimmy. We always love hearing from you. And uh, remember, if you guys want to write in and uh, let us know what you're playing this week or um, you know, have your thoughts right on the air, give us a random question or just say, hey, you can drop us a line at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Uh, you can also comment on our YouTube videos or you know, wherever you can comment on any platform, uh, just like Jimmy did. Um, or you can follow our sister show at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold to stay up to date on everything we've got going on here at The Pals Network. Uh, if you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate it if you guys would give us a like on your platform of choice or uh, jump over to iTunes, where we're currently a five-star rated podcast. Um, those ratings really help us out. They help the show get discovered. So even if you're not listening on iTunes, it would be awesome if you could jump over there and give us a rating. Uh, and then if you guys are a YouTube listener like Jimmy, you can do us a solid and like the video, subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, and uh, check out Pals Play. Uh, it's our daily Let's Play show Monday through Friday with me and Thompson. It's a great time. And, um, you know, again, uh, we are really close to 100 subscribers. I think we're sitting at somewhere around like 83, 84, I think, at the time of this recording. Um, and we would love to hit 100 subscribers by the end of the year. So if you're an audio listener and you don't check out our YouTube stuff and uh, you've got a Gmail account, you know, it would be awesome if you could jump over there and give us a subscribe. We'd greatly appreciate it. Um, that would be a wonderful Christmas and birthday gift to both me and Thompson. Yeah. And, you know, Sean just for Christmas. Uh, so uh, and, and my birthday, you know, f- screw it. Might as well throw it in there <laughs> Just get it early. It's good. Yeah. Just get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, last but not least, as always, the best thing you guys can do if you really want to help us out is just share the show. You know, if, if you dig what we're doing here uh, and you've got other friends that play video games or read comic books or are into Let's Plays or watch Riverdale, any of that stuff, um, you know, have them check out our stuff and uh, hopefully they'll want to come hang out as well. Um, so with that, that's going to mean it's time for the random question of the week! Oh, boy. Let's <laughs> go on. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, uh, what is your most anticipated game of 2018? You know, we're getting we're getting to the end of 2017. All the major releases are done. Uh, we still haven't had our game of the year discussion, but it is fast approaching. And I, I think it's time to start looking forward. So what are you guys most looking forward to on the horizon? Uh, for me, this one is pretty easy. Uh, my most anticipated game is the new Spider-Man. Hell yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. Um, it looks great. We haven't got a Spider-Man game that was, in my opinion, worth getting excited for in many, 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 many years. Did you ever um, play Shattered Dimensions? Never. No. I, and that, I, game was, that was the last good one, I think. It was fun. I I, th- I guess I guess you know I have heard decent things about it, but um, 
there was something about those Spider-Man games that really bothered me. It felt like they were super gimmicky. I really was looking for a Spider-Man game that was just a regular story where you just played as Spider-Man, you fought regular villains, and it seemed as though, for whatever reason, in the late 2000s and then the 2010s, we just could never get that. So, Yeah, I mean, the last like straight-up Spider-Man game like that that I remember was... Um... I think it was Web of Shadows was the one. Uh, and that was, like, where you could do the symbiote stuff as well. And it was okay. Like, it, it was decent. But those Activision uh, those Activision Spider-Man games, excuse me, uh, were just, like, budget as hell. You know? Like, they were they were shoddy. They kind of just farted them out. And at best, they were okay. You know? They were not great. And, like, I, yeah, you're right. Like, getting this game with, like, Insomniac behind it and, like, you know, Sony money is, like, all right. Like get excited for this one yeah and it's and it's it's very much a back to basics uh spider-man story where you're you're facing a villain who isn't you know uh so mr negative right is not he's not going to shatter the dimensions or you know anything silly like that it's it's very much spider-man protecting new york not the whole of new york probably a portion of new york Probably no master scheme that's going to require the Avengers, but hey, they're not in this game. You know, like, nothing like that. And so that's that's cause to get excited. Yeah, and, and the stuff that we've seen that's not about Mr. Negative, like getting a, a focus on, like, Kingpin and stuff like that. Like, I like the idea of it being, like, a more just, like, grounded crime-focused, like, you know, just your classic meat and potato superhero stuff. You know, like, that's where Spider-Man thrives. And Nice. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It sounds fun, man. I'm excited. Excited for that one. What about you, Thompson? Uh, it's probably not going to come out, but The Last of Us 2, so, like, it doesn't have a release date. Don't pick date. Last of Us 2. It's not coming out in 2018. All right, fine. Uh, then, <laughs> no I guess, way. way Out, maybe? I know, it's, it's yeah, between that right. and Far Cry, because both of them are really good co-op games, and I'm looking forward to, like, you know, doing the show with both of them. So, like, either or, really, you know, they're both their own thing. Yeah. I can't tell which one I like more. Way Out's, like, unique, obviously, it's brand new new IP and everything, but Far Cry 5 is looking really good. I mean, that is that is some prime shit that they built the game from the ground up to be co-op, too. So, Hell yeah, man. Damn. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely agree with both of those. Um, I'm I'm super excited for both of those games. Um, you know, we've, we've, especially I think the three of us have, like, talked a lot about how interested we are in A Way Out um, and just how different it looks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Far Cry 5 is my pick. You know, like, I think the only other contender for me is Red Dead Redemption 2. But, like, I could see that game slipping into 2019 and it, like, feels farther away. Like, Far Cry 5 is a game I'll be playing in, like, four months from now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's going to be out in March. really exciting. I, I fucking love Far Cry. Yes, I think. And uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see how they pull off the American setting, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I think... Um, Man, like, 2017 is, like, I think one of the best years we've had in gaming, and, you know, I've, I've argued since 1998, but, uh, you know, I would say at least, um, you know, a decade, and it looks like 2018 is already shaping up to be uh, a worthy contender, you know? Like, yeah. there are some really hot games, uh, and just the four of these are, like, you know, that's not even scratching the surface of all the other stuff that's announced, so. No, there's a ton of good stuff that, you know, I had to just throw away because it's not, like, you know, something like Far Cry 5, unfortunately, yeah. but. Like those, the games that we mentioned, like these four games specifically, are all imminent, and that's exciting. You know, like Spider Man, I think is like, you know, it's one of the games they said is going to be out in the first quarter of 2018. 
Um, I feel like that's got to be a spring game. Like, I feel like that's going to be co- – like, we're going to finish Far Cry 5 and Spider-Man will probably be right around the corner. Um, that's exciting. That's really exciting. Uh, so remember, if you guys want to send in your own random question, uh, we'd love to hear it. And it saves me a few minutes when I'm putting the show together. So uh, drop us an email at thevideogamepals at gmail.com and uh, you might hear your random question read on the air. And with that, I guess it means it's time for... The news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. All right, so we've got a, a pretty meaty news uh, list this week, which is surprising because we're kind of in that wind down period. Uh, some of this stuff is just kind of like, you know, we're just touching base on stories we've already been talking about. But uh, there's some cool stuff here, so I'm excited to get into it. I think we're going to have a really good time this week. Um, so as we teased last week, we've got all the news to come out of PSX to get through. Uh, but honestly, not that much went down. Um, you know, Sony kind of teased that. They said that don't expect a big showcase. Um, so since there wasn't really a lot of big news that I think we'd be interested in talking about, um, I kind of just went through, cherry-picked the actual announcements uh, rather than trying to take you through like a play-by-play of the showcase. You know, I feel like if you care about PSX, you probably saw it. If not, this is the stuff you're going to want to have heard about. Um, so we got a little bit of news about God of War. We didn't get a new trailer or release date, which is unfortunate. Um, but the game's director, Corey Balrog, which is such a metal fucking name. Nice. What is he, a D&D character? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he said that the game's going to be about 35 to 40 hours long. Wow. Which, uh, yeah, right? Like, if you're a God of War person, you know the other games have averaged around 10 hours. So, um, this is, you know, this is going to be much meatier than previous entries. Uh, which is cool, because it seems like it's more focused on story, and that we're probably going to have a lot more... I wouldn't say it looks open world, but I feel like we're going to have a more open experience than we've ever had in a God of War game. So, seems appropriate. Yeah. That's a good length, too. You know, like, that's lo- just long enough. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that the God of War games have um, done not so great in the past is providing an experience that felt... Um, I mean, as you said, meaty, uh, a lot of times they kind of feel like by the numbers and the stories play out really quickly because it was never really about the stories I felt. Uh, and now we're getting a game where it seems like they really are wanting us to care about the proceedings beyond just, you know, killing people and making it as bloody as possible. So that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, they've always been about the gameplay. And the fact that we're going to see a more, you know, um, decided effort to tell a story with Kratos. Like, and we have a supporting character. Like, there's going to be a lot of dialogue. Like, makes sense to to make that runtime a little bit longer, too. And I think people yeah. just kind of expect that nowadays. Like, I don't think you could get away with charging $60 for a 10-hour game. That's another. That's another thing, yeah. I totally agree. But uh, this is another game I'm actually really excited for, and all signs point to it coming out in March. So another very imminent, exciting game. So fuck yeah. Um, this next one, I don't know if anyone in the world is going to be excited to, besides me and a few other Sony dorks, but uh, Medieval Remastered has been announced. Wow, um, are you kidding? Yeah. Were you into Medieval? No, but I remember okay. the franchise and I thought it was cool. I just, I don't know why I never played it, but. It, it was, I, I mean, oh, dude, I loved this game. Um, the second one was cool, but I wasn't as into it, but the first one, I was, like, intimately invested in that game when I was just, like, a Sony boy, and I only had a PS1, like, this was just one of those games that I played all the time, 
Um, I'm so excited to see it come back. You know, there's uh, there's no word on exactly what they're doing. Like, if it's going to be a simple up-res, you know, or if they're going to do, like, a Crash Bandicoot-esque, like, from the ground up, let's recreate it but make it look modern. Um, but I'm hyped either way. You know, I, I, like I said, I was real into this when I was younger, and I'm excited to see if it holds up, you know? Uh, I definitely yeah. want to do it on, on Pals Play for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. I love I love uh, that we're getting a lot of these remasters and and things like that, uh, especially for some of those Sony properties like Crash Bandicoot. Um, that was, for me, I didn't play it, but that was one of the bigger releases this year as far as like how I felt about the games, just because Crash is such a beloved franchise. Um, and medieval for people our age, you know, yeah, for yeah. Sure. I don't know that medieval captured as many hearts and minds as Crash did, but still, there's a lot of people I'm sure that are nostalgic for this kind of thing, and I hope that this is something that's going to continue down the road. Yeah, and you know, I I think that there's a chance that these games, like when they're done right, that they're an opportunity for people to experience a thing they've never played before. You know, and like yeah. actually get that chance. You know, like you said, you knew about it, but you never had the chance to play it. And you're not going to go back and play an old PS1 game, but you might play it if it's got slightly tighter controls and better graphics. And yeah, you know, it feels it, like a fresh experience. And it's accessible on a console. You have to, you know, hijack different wires nowadays with the HDMI cables <laughs> and shit, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that's, that's a huge, that's a very true, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm excited for this. And, and to your point, Sean, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of gamers, I think, are cynical about remasters and re-releases. But I think having the convenience to have it on a modern console is, A, important, you know, um, for any game, right? Like, even last-gen games, when they up them to now, I'm like, fine. If people want to play it on this console and they missed it, great. Like, I got Last of Us on PS4 because I missed it on PS3. I did the same um, thing, and it's, like, my favorite game of all time, man. That's, like, right. like one of the best things that ever ha- happened to me. So I, I, I think it's a, obviously a pro-consumer move, and there's no reason to be cynical about it. But especially with these kinds of games, it's like, this is, I think, important for, like, games as an art form, because video games are one of the only mediums where, like, it becomes inaccessible to experience a piece of art without jumping through hoops. You know, like, there's no, like, movie or comic or whatever that you just, like, can't read or watch unless it's, like, destroyed, unless it's lost, you know? Because, like, you can go buy a reprint of it or, you know, get the DVD or the Blu-ray re-release of whatever fucking thing you want to see. But with games, it's like they don't necessarily have that luxury and sometimes they don't age very well because of, like, how things have changed. You know, how used to modern, um, like, control schemes and stuff we get into. So it's like, I think this stuff is really cool. And what's interesting about that comparison to film uh, is that no one really says that about movies. You know, no one really says, oh, this movie didn't age that well. Uh, you appreciate films for the time period in which they released. You know, most yeah. people don't go back and watch Star Wars and say, wow, A New Hope. Wow, that was really, that, that aged horribly, you know. Right, um, yeah, for yeah. whatever reason, those things stand the test of time and gamers don't feel the same way about games. And part of it is the, the controls and the fact that um, yeah. we have sort of grown beyond those old old control schemes and i think, I think that, it's i think it's specifically games from that era too yeah yeah um, they were rough around the edges you know yeah and uh so i think there's no reason why we shouldn't have access 
to those games again in a way that is going to continue to make them relevant. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I think, like, when we talked about, like, the Super Nintendo uh, Classic earlier this year or, um, you know, how much we want Virtual Console on Switch, games from some of the earlier times, like, hold up a lot better than games from the early, early 3D era, you know? And, like, when it comes to, like, games that were trying to look realistic with, like, simple, bad, like, you know, straight up bad graphics by modern standpoints, um, if all we need is a fresh cone of paint and a better control scheme to make a classic playable again, like, good, great. Like, that's something we should be doing. Like, that to me is, like, preservation, you know? Yeah, and again, no one no one complains about it when it's done for films. Yeah, like when we yeah. touch them up, you know, and put them in widescreen or whatever. Yeah. So it's I, like, I went yeah, to see, good. I went to see the re-release of Terminator 2 over the summer. This is like the third time they've re-released it over 10 years. And they keep upping it and, and you know, they released it in 4K, they released it in 3D. No one cares. You know, no one, no one's bothered by that. It's a classic. You want to see it again. You want people to have fresh experiences with it. I feel the same way about games. Yeah, I want them to be accessible to a new generation, too. So all I have to say now at this point is, where the fuck is my Spyro collection, guys? Get That's on that shit. On the, yeah, it's got to be around the corner. Got to be around the corner. I think that we're going to get a Spyro trilogy like the Crash one. That's going to be from the ground up, all three games on one disc, physical release. Like, this is just going to be a download, you know? Yeah. I don't think they're going to give the same care to Medieval, but uh, Spyro deserves it. For sure. So we also got a little bit more on Dreams, um, which is, you know, we talked about a little bit last week, the Media Molecule game. Um, people have actually played it. There are some previews up. Uh, the general consensus seems to be it actually looks more like a game now. Um, but I have a really hard time seeing how this one's going to shake out. Like, it definitely feels like this game has an uphill battle. Like, people loved Little Big Planet. This seems like Little Big Planet in 3D, but I, I really feel like this game is not going to move the needle for some reason. Just because, like... It's taken so long. I don't feel like there's name recognition around it. I don't feel like there's a lot of excitement around it. So unless it comes out and really, like, blows people away, like, if there isn't people making content for this game, it's going to fucking die. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, I don't know, dude. This didn't do anything for me when I saw it. Um, I understand that that there are a lot of people who really enjoy being able to go in and, you know, craft their own content and then release it into the wild that's something that's huge in gaming um i would be curious to know why little big planet couldn't come back i think it might still at some point but this is like so different than little big planet in terms of just like how it works and like how much control you seem to have like i feel like but you're just saying like why couldn't they just call this little big planet for yeah, it's a it's something familiar. Sackboy was one of I mean that they tried to make Sackboy the like the the um, mascot of the PS3. Yeah, I mean he was huge with fighter games for too. a while. Yeah, yeah, he was. I love that game, and I I love picking Sackboy in that game. Uh, and then they just kind of abandoned him, and it's kind of weird that he's not around. So yeah. I don't like. I get I get wanting to do something new, but yeah. if you want to sell units and give yourself the space to do something new if if it's the same sort of general idea anyway why not attach something familiar to it to get get like immediate interest yeah, yeah i think that's a really good point <clears throat> yeah i can agree dude like I, this game isn't really doing anything for me but i guarantee you if they had announced in little big planet 4 i would have been like all on that ship 
you know? There you go. It's like, but this yeah. one's not, I don't know what it is about this one in particular, but I don't really care about it, you know? It's, I just think it's because they're not communicating the message well. Like, it's been so, like, confusing about what it really is or yeah. what is the game. That's like, because it's not just a toolbox. Like, they made content. There is a game there in the same way that Little Big Planet had a game and playing all the other stuff was like, yeah, that was the meat of it once you beat the game. Yeah. You know, but like, so I don't know. I, I feel like this game could come out and be really awesome, like Little Big Planet is and was, and and maybe people will get into it. But maybe, I but feel like I they've got such an uphill battle here. Yeah, I think I'm on I'm on your side, Pete, on that. It's like good good luck, good luck, Media Molecule, because I think what you guys do is really special. Even though I've never really been into your games, like I hope that this isn't a failure for them. Um, especially because Sony's put a lot of time into it, and they could be pissed if it fucking doesn't do anything, you know? So, um, we'll see what happens on that one. Uh, so they showed some more of Concrete Jungle, which was that weird graffiti monster game that we saw at Paris Games Week a few uh, weeks ago. Um, it's just like, you know, we saw some more gameplay about it, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to it, so I wanted to give that one a call out. And, uh, Thompson, you were into that one too, right? Yeah, surprisingly, that it actually sparked my interest, you know? It's, like, really not the kind of game I'd normally enjoy, but that one, uh, it just looked beautiful, you know? Yeah, there's something about the art that just really does it for me. Maybe we'll do that one on uh, on Palsplay or something. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me kind of like, not Life is Strange like in the same way that like the story elements and all that, but the way that it's like a, a, a journey that you're going to go on, but it's it's like a personal journey for the character. And like each one yeah, kind of shows their own thing. Like Life is Strange does it just because, you know, you're a, a teenage girl. So like it shows you that side of it. This is like a little kid, you know, and it's like his little life of coping mechanism is for art. Hers was f- photography, you know. I kind of like all these different games lately, you know, like I think pr- partly because of you suggesting them mostly now, now you got me hooked on these kinds of things, you know? <laughs> yeah. The touchy feely indie games. Yeah. They're like it started they're cool, like, a cou- different. like a couple of years ago when we, we started doing like original stuff, you know, but like this one really, you know, I normally would not give a shit. This one looks cool, you know? Yeah. This is definitely a standout for me. Um, so we also got a new trailer for Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, which uh, Thompson got to check out at New York Comic Con, and we learned it's actually going to be coming to North America finally in uh, 2018. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. Um, you know those. Uh, what, what's what's their name again? They're the the developer. Um, Rooster Teeth. No, not Rooster Teeth. I know like, they work on Ruby, but the the Blaze Blue guys. Um, oh, oh God, Lord. Uh, what can I? It's like that? it's right on the tip of my tongue. This is killing me. I know. Our friend Jared would hate us right now <laughs> for this. Yeah, if he's listening, he's screaming. He's right probably going to slam his head into the table. <laughs> Arc? Arc Systems. Arc System works. Yeah, yeah that's it. There um, you go. Yeah. yeah, their games are really tight, man. And I know like everybody's really hype on Dragon Ball Fighters, but um, this game looks really cool, too. And it's... Yeah, but... <laughs> no, I mean, we, we played this game, and then we went to Fighters, and I loved this game. And as soon as I played Fighters, I was like, that game is nothing compared to Fighters, you know? <laughs> so... I... I so I'm a huge fighting game fan, and uh, you know I love 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 fighting games. For some reason, I can't play this game. Like, I think it's the art style and the way the characters are, but they just turn me off so much that I can't. I cannot invest in this game. Do you mean that um, way about like all of Arc Systems games, or just this one specifically? This one, Black okay. Blue. I I can't play this. Um, you know, I, I'm not into anime, so the characters are immediately off-putting. Mm. Um, and then the art style, like, it seems like there's just a little too much going on all over the place for me. But I know the that games these are games are popular. Busy. 
Yeah, they are. I know that these games are extremely popular and they're very good. Despite what I'm saying, I know they're good. So I'm glad that this is coming out and I know that a lot of fighting game fans in North America are going to eat this up. So it's really cool. Yeah, one to look out for. Um, so we also got an announcement of Patapon 2 Remastered. Um, yeah, which is cool. Uh, so it they had done Patapon Remastered recently, um, and it was just the first game remastered, but this one's actually a little bit different. So they're obviously doing the remaster, 4K, all that crap, but um, they're adding a ton of new content, like new levels, new... Um, uh, like, they said new levels, new characters, all kinds of stuff. There's the ability to create your own Patapon now. So it's like, if you're a fan of this game, these games, this is definitely, like, a thing to get excited for. Um, I've never played them before, but, like, they've always sounded like a like a very much thing I'd be into. Rhythm-based platformer kind of style game is, like, yeah, cool. I never got around to them on the PSP or when they did the remaster. But since this one's, like, kind of, like, a new game, I think uh, I might try to jump on on this one. And it's, you know, going to be on a platform that's, like, accessible since it's coming to PS4. Uh, so, yeah, check it out if you're, uh, you know, a puzzle game fan. Um, and then lots of indie announcements and PSVR stuff, you know, that, like, a lot of it just didn't really stick out to me. So I just kind of cherry-picked a couple of things here. Again, um, Guns of Icarus is coming to PS4. Thompson and I are huge fans of that game when we used to play it on PC. Um, so, yeah, if you're a PS4 person, um, definitely an indie game to look out for. Really, really cool, like, team-based, um, like, steampunk blimp fighter. It's, like, awesome. Like yeah. airship battle. So, yeah, yeah, like, somebody pilots the ship, somebody's a gunner, you can be a mechanic and make sure that, you're, like, you're, you're still staying in the air. Everybody needs to kind of run around and be fluid. It's, it's a really fun game if you have a group of friends to play it with. So if you've got, like, an active uh, group of friends on PS4 and you guys are looking for something a little different to play, uh, definitely a really good time. Um, and then there's going to be a free, uh, and not even going to be, actually, it's out right now, um, a Last Guardian VR experience. It's about 15 to 20 minutes. You get to interact with uh, Trico, the big dog bird guy thing from that game um so if you're into those games uh it's free and you can go check it out um then we also got the announcement of uh, rick and morty virtual rickality is finally coming to psvr that game's apparently a great time um is so maybe thompson one? and i'll that check it out seen stuff already yeah it was already on oh five, yeah yeah I think dude. okay so I've, I've seen like entire places of that game that game is fucking great it, so you, it's really yeah, good. It's, it's supposed to be an awesome time. Um, yeah. So it's, it's cool to see that that's going to be coming to a platform that we have access to. So maybe we'll yeah. check that out and do a yeah. show on it. Because well, uh, it's not very long. No, and the first time I saw it, uh, I was I was with my girlfriend and I said, like, dude, this is the first VR game I actually want. You know, like, <laughs> this is the first one I actually <laughs> wanted to get. Yeah, maybe we'll have to check it out then. It was neat. Um, and then I think one of the bigger announcements to come out of the show was actually that Sean Layton, who's the uh, president and CEO of Sony uh, Interactive Entertainment... Um, America, hinted that players should be able to change their PSN names by the next PlayStation experience. Um, it's like a little bit of a non-story, but if you're a PlayStation fan, you know how much of a thing this is, that we all want to change our fucking names, because if you got a PS3 in 2006, whatever dumbass name you picked when you were 13, you've been stuck with, uh, so... <laughs> I just rolled with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to be able to fucking finally get Loud Pete on, on PS4, but, uh, so here's what happened, right? He, he did an opening interview, him and Shuhei, Shuhei Yoshida, uh, did an interview with my man Greg Miller from Kinda Funny and Greg asked him about, you know, when we'd be able to finally change our fucking names. And uh, Sean put it this way. He said, quote, let me put it this way. I'll hope we'll see events occur so that you don't have to ask me this question at the next PSX. So again, hey, nice. kind of a non-answer, but like 
the fact that like they usually be like, well, it's very hard. We, there's problems, and the fact that he's like, well, okay, by next year we'll have it figured out, <laughs> makes me think that they're probably hard at work on a solution here. So uh, maybe fingers <laughs> crossed, guys. Pete, it's Let's one of fucking options. let us change our names. <laughs> it's either that he, they're gonna fix it or he's gonna silence anyone who asks. So let's hope it's not you know. <laughs> They made. They actually made a joke on a uh, kind of funny games daily. Um, Greg wasn't on it because he had been at PSX, but they talked about this story. And uh, one of the co-hosts said, "He goes that yeah that or he plans to kill Greg." Oh wow, we're on the same page. <laughs> nice. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so item number two on the list is it seems like Capcom is doubling down on some retro collections after last week's Mega Man news as uh, the company has announced the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection is coming to PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Windows in uh, 2018, May 2018. Um, this is pretty cool. There's uh, a whopping 12 games on this collection. We've got Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, Super Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Turbo, Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter Alpha 2, Street Fighter Alpha 3, Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 3 Second Impact, and Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. What the fuck, Capcom? Yeah. <laughs> these names. Is... These fucking names. <laughs> This is this, cool as fuck, though. I think it's cool that they have, like, every iteration so that whatever one was your Street Fighter, you can play. Like, that's neat. Yeah. It's it's nice, but it's weird that there's only technically, what, like, four games here and there's 12 altogether? <laughs> I think it's, well... It's like, there's, like, three different versions... Oh, no, there's four yeah. versions of Street Fighter 2. There's there's uh, three alphas, and then there's three threes. That's insane. Yeah. Well, those games... For, okay, so those games get made fun of a lot for exactly what you just said, but those games are actually very, very different. Uh, Street Fighter Third Strike, for example, is probably probably the best fighting game ever, and it's very different from Street Fighter Third Strike Double Impact. Um, the alpha games are all very different. Yeah, uh, I, I stopped at Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo on this list, so any of the Alphas and 3s I haven't played. Yeah, Alpha Alpha 1, 2, and 3 are all different games. Like, yeah, totally different they're, games. They're, yeah, they're very different. Um, so this is, this is amazing. I'm so glad that we're going to have these games available to us on PS4. I mean, you know, and, and Xbox, I guess. But um, Yeah, well, I, I want to get it on Switch. Yeah, I'm looking for the they're, Switch release really, of this, that's, yeah. That's really cool. Um. Be, and and also being able to play these online. So not all of these games are going to be playable online. Only but, some of them are. Yeah, it's hyper. It's uh, Street Fighter Two Hyper Fighting, Street Fight, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo, Street Fighter Alpha Three, and Street Fighter Three Third Strike will all have multiplayer online options, uh, and they'll have both ranked and casual play. Oh, nice. yeah, I like that. So so that's huge because a lot of people are clamoring for those experiences. You know, there's quite a few people that don't like Street Fighter V, uh, although those people are crazy. But um, are, are we talking about the Street Fighter V news, by the way? I am not aware of the Street Fighter V news. Yeah, but breaking news. What's going on? Uh, so they, they finally announced what the plans are for 2018 um, in terms of new characters. So we're getting – let's see if I can remember this off the top of my head. We're getting Cody who is actually... So Cody is a character who's always been a prisoner who, who like, comes out of prison and fights in handcuffs. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Well, he's dapper now. He's, oh. he's, got a, he's got a suit on. Uh, and, is that uh, a jail? He, yeah, he got out of jail, finally. He's reformed. Um, 
and so that so we're getting him. We're getting Sakura, which is huge. Um, Sakura is a is a fan favorite, and um, one of the one of the characters I think probably a lot of people wanted to see a lot sooner in this game. We're getting Sagat. Oh, I actually recognize all these names, so these are yeah. obviously big characters. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sagat again, way overdue. Um, so really excited to see him finally coming into the game. Cool, uh, really and fleshing Blanca, out this roster. Oh, who, Blanca! Oh, nice, yeah. man. Blanca yeah, loves my homie. cake. Yeah, That's uh, and then two new characters, actually. Uh, one called G, and one called Falk. Um, so a, a, lot of new, new a lot of new stuff coming out. That's six, right? Um, I believe so. Yeah, six, six new characters. Um, Sakura comes out on January 16th when Street Fighter V Arcade Edition comes out, and then the other characters will come out over time. Nice. Cool. Yeah. All right, good audio. Yo, I gotta say, man, like, Capcom feels like they're getting their shit together lately. You know, like, I'm, like, into it. Like, I, I, like, I'm excited for a Capcom renaissance here. Like, I feel like they're really, like, making good moves, you know? The last couple games have made good money. They're fucking putting out these dope collections. Like, I'm about it. So, I agree with you, but a lot of people have another kind of perspective, which is that Capcom has now sort of embraced the capabilities of DLC to allow them to put out incomplete games. And then complete them over time. A lot of people feel as though if Street Fighter V was coming out in the era before you could do this kind of thing, then it would have had way more characters on release. Yeah, that's that's a fair criticism. See, I I agree and disagree at the same time. Because on one hand... Uh, yeah. Did the game launch with less characters than you come to expect from a modern fighting game? Yes, it did. But at the same time, one thing you also expect from modern fighting games is really crappy balance. (laughs) And releasing a smaller cast and iterating on that over time is a way to keep it fresh for a while. Uh, but also to ensure that when you are releasing these new characters, you can worry about the balance and, and sort of, you know... Make sure that things stay even. Um, so so that's one thing for me. And then another thing is like, if you get everything at once, sometimes you play the game and then you don't have a reason to go back to it. Yeah, that's, I think I think that's a super salient point. Like in this day and age, like having a steady stream of content is necessary to keep a game thriving. I feel like they just should have, the original game should have been a little meatier because then this never would have been a problem. I think this game got a bad rap and people want to just hate on it now. You know, like you said, like there are people who have an axe to grind about it. And like you've, like you've said, you think it's a really good game. So I wonder like if there had just been a single player, if there had been like maybe five more characters, like would people not be pissed off? Single player, I think was a huge mistake. Capcom, so that here's the deal. Fumble. I don't want to take up too much time talking about this, but just real fast. The, the reason why there was no single player in the beginning was simply because they wanted to get Street Fighter V out in time for EVO. Yeah. And that was a mistake. I understand why they did it. It ended up being really cool because Street Fighter V at EVO was awesome that year. But because they did that, there are people who didn't buy the game. And it, it caused the game to get a bad rap, like you said, that people still are not over. Yeah. Um and it and, and it, it hurts even more 
because Marvel vs. Capcom came out and had similar problems. Yeah. So it just feels like the Capcom thing to do. Yeah, it's specifically like I they I don't like the way they handle their fighting games in general. Like I remember I I was very critical of Marvel vs. Capcom three and then Ultimate coming out how much longer, you know, it was like eight months or not it was not not that much later like maybe that, not months but what do you mean when, when they put out mvc the ultimate, ultimate edition is it, uh, yeah with like four the... when they added hawkeye and shimagrath and all that stuff and oh oh yeah yeah that was that was that was uh like a year later okay all right year, but still yeah. even like a year later it's like i just bought this 60 dollar game and you want me to buy it a second time so i can get four more characters it's like come on um but yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm giving them a little too much praise just because I'm excited about, you know, Mega Man. But uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe 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 they're getting their shit together. Because um, what Street Fighter Five came out, twenty fifteen, right? Something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, yeah, yeah. It's been two years. They've Three. they've had time to come around from those mistakes. Yeah. Um, so this next one is probably mostly for me and Sean, but, uh, we finally got a little more info on a game I had actually totally forgotten about. Uh, Overkill Software, which is the team behind the Payday series, has released a trailer for their upcoming game set in the Walking Dead universe. And it actually looks really cool. Um, so the trailer follows, uh, a character named Aiden. Uh, he's one of the four playable characters who's featured in the game. Um, it's like a four-player co-op multiplayer FPS that's set in Washington, D.C., like right as the outbreak is kind of like taking over, you know, like not when we're seeing the first zombies. It's like when it's kind of really starting to like be chaotic. And, um, you know, Overkill has said that there's going to be like a variety of missions. There's going to be raids. The game is like kind of all about like securing supplies and finding other survivors to like build out a base camp and like fight against uh obviously the dead but also like other groups of of survivors and stuff like that um obviously very walking dead kind of stuff it sounds a lot like um uh state of decay honestly um the xbox title but uh you know each character, it like seems like it's a, like a little bit different because of this aspect, right? Each character has unique abilities. They have their own skill tree and like different squad roles and like has their own backstory. So like Aiden, for example, um, like the trailer that they released about him, he's the only one who's gotten his own trailer yet. But it seems like we're gonna get one for everybody. Um, you know, he's uh, an African African American guy. He's a former architect. He uses a baseball bat. So I'm assuming he's gonna probably be probably be like a melee class character and like you know maybe he'll use other weapons but um you know i'm sure he's gonna be like a beat down guy um the trailer also showed us a little peek of the other characters who look to be an older white dude uh like he's got like a white beard and shit um a young ginger woman who looks like aloy and then a younger asian uh woman and um Samuel Horty over at PC Gamer pointed this out from the live stream that they did about it. He said that it sounds like the government's role in the aftermath of the outbreak is going to be a central focus of the game uh, with players like kind of exploring the city and trying to figure out what happened. And um, there's supposed to be like apparently it's a very dialogue heavy. Like you're going to get a lot of story through the base camp and like during combat with these other characters. So what do you guys think about this? Uh, I think this is awesome. Um... The only thing that I knew about this game was the trailer that I that I saw for uh, for Aiden. Um, so I didn't know anything that you just said. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, everything you said is is amazing. 
Um, off the trailer alone, I thought it was intriguing just because, um, you know, it felt very much, it, it, it didn't, it felt like it was Walking Dead, you know, and that's the best praise I can give it is that it felt like this could have been the way they introduced a character on the show. And that would have been perfectly fine. Uh, this got me interested in, in what the story was going to be. I now care about this character just off the trailer. And that's, that's great. Um, as far as the stuff that you said, I would love to play a Walking Dead game that felt like a lived-in world that wasn't um, uh, on the rails as much. Um, I like yeah. the idea of, of being able to learn more about the story and the government's involvement and how this all happened, even though they probably won't give us a concrete answer. Just the idea that you can learn more information than what the show has given is great. Yeah, and the thing they said about, like, the aftermath, I'm wondering if that just means, like, how the government handled the outbreak. Not necessarily, like, what their role was in it, but, like, how we always see that there's, like, there's always these military encampments and they seem to go south. And that was a thing they kind of explored in Fear the Walking Dead a little bit. Got you. Yeah, so as someone that doesn't watch Fear the Walking Dead, but watches The Walking Dead, I still feel like I don't know enough about that stuff. Yeah, right. It's a really unexplored thing. It's a thing we've seen little snippets of, and it's a thing that we see in, like, environmental storytelling in The Walking Dead. Like, you'll see those encampments and that they're abandoned, but not what actually fucking went down, you know? And when it's just, like, like, normal people rounded up living in fear. Yeah, even in Fear the Walking Dead, there's only, like, the one instance of it. It's not yeah, it's like, like we get episodes. like even reasons why because like when we just start figuring out reasons why, it's like oh and everything went south. So oh, okay, we don't really find anything out, you know. Yeah, and they escape. Yeah, you know they're like right. we got to get the fuck out. The story here. moves so out like, of that zone. Just when it would be like we're gonna get answers, the story has to move on. So right. So it's gonna be interesting. Like I wonder if you're gonna be like clashing with the government and stuff. Like it's I don't Probably. know the, the idea of like some environmental storytelling in the world of The Walking Dead. Like you said, something that's a little less on the rails is I think really exciting. It's fresh for it because, like, I like the idea that, you know, like, we we had, like, uh, what was it, State of Decay? Uh, one, you want to reference to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. made a comparison to State of Decay. I, I don't know if it's going to be like that, man, but, like, having maybe classes of characters or something involved in The Walking Dead that isn't just, you know, dialogue stuff where it says, like, they'll remember that and then you pick, like, you know, one, two, yeah. three, or four. Yeah, like, like actually getting something that's more gamey. Yeah, it's fresh for the series, which is... Well, I I need it, you know, because I'm not. I didn't buy uh, season three, and I wasn't planning on getting this until you, you know, like I just saw the trailer. That didn't really give me what you told me. I don't know where you got that information from. Uh, Eurogamer and PC gamer. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to check out the articles down below, they are listed with the rest of our sources, um, as we always do. Uh, but yeah, I think this looks really cool. This is a game I would be really into doing uh, a four player like pals play stream or something. Is it four player? You know. Yeah, it's co-op four player. Oh. Uh, it's it's it seems like it's a lot like State of Decay, like meets um, like maybe Left for Dead. You know, like I don't know. It seems really cool. I'm into it. Uh, so, in some unsurprising news, Atari has indefinitely delayed the Atari box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about that. <laughs> Sean's dead. Oh, he needs man. a moment to collect himself. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So, uh, so the, the yeah. console's Indiegogo campaign was set to launch on December 14th, but without warning or explanation, Atari has canceled the campaign for the time being. There's currently no available information about when the relaunch is going to occur, but they've said, quote, an updated launch plan is currently underway. 
uh, in an email that was sent to all the people who are subscribed for more info, um, they made this statement. Quote, the countdown to the Atari box launch on Indiegogo has been officially paused. Because of one key element on our checklist, it is taking more time to create the platform and ecosystem the Atari community deserves. What fucking community? What the hell is that? Wait. Yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> Come on. The, ra- the, raving, the ravenous, frothing at the mouth fans of Atari, you know, that, that are just waiting for this console. Like, you know, All I'm sure we're going to set the world year old on guys, 50-year-old guys who are, like, really into Pong. <laughs> for Christ's sake. Like... I don't think anyone's really even surprised by this, let alone the fact that, like, they're just sticking by it, saying, yeah, we're, we're still gonna do it, you know? Like, Oh, it's I, coming, it's coming, we promise. This, this, I feel like, is the long con that, like, next April 1st, they're gonna be like, yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> we were playing for two years on you, you bastards, you know? Like, this this doesn't seem real still, you know? I don't think they're doing anything. <laughs> I think they're just fucking with us. <laughs> this is an elaborate hoax. There's one guy who just happened to make a newsletter, and he's like, how much money could I get from an Indiegogo if I just pretended to make a console? They didn't even run the Gogo, though, man. That's why he's updating <laughs> it, because he wants to make sure it's legal first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't a know. lot of the people above board. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we'll update you on this one when it comes. <laughs> sure. We'll see what yeah. fucking happens. So, uh, moving on to talking about a good console, the Nintendo Switch has officially sold 10 million units to date. Ooh, golf cart for the Switch, man. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. So that <laughs> means in nine months, it's already almost caught up to the Wii U's entire lifetime sales, which netted out uh, at 13.6 million units over a five-year period. Though you can still buy it, you know. Um, <laughs> wow. Is, that's probably where it's going to, you know, stall out. Um, so I'm sure Nintendo is very happy, despite the fact that they obviously could have sold more units if they didn't have the production issues that have been plaguing them all year. Um, but as of right now, uh, it's on track to sell over 16 million units by the console's first birthday, and they uh, seem like they're still uh, confident they're going to hit 14 million by the end of their fiscal year. So uh, that's huge. You know, I'm sure they're, they're ha- very happy with that number. 16 million is uh, nothing to sneeze at in a year. Well, 10 million isn't either, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's only where we're at right now. It's know? crazy that's, to think. That's only nine months. That's crazy. I, I'm so happy for him, you know? Yeah. I think, I think if the Wii U never happened, I would currently own a Switch. Are you, and you're still, like, that, like, shaky about it? Um, I'm not shaky. I'm just at the point where I don't care until Smash comes out. And I didn't Poor feel Pokemon, that. right? No, Smash. Damn. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't feel that way with the Wii U. With the Wii U, I was an early adopter. I got it. I, I think I got a week one, like I did everything else. And I was, you know, I, I was very excited because I, I thought the Wii was awesome. And I thought the Wii U was going to be equally as cool. Uh, and it didn't turn out to be that. And now I just don't really, like, now, even though I know the Switch is good, and I know that if I got it, I'd probably enjoy it. I just don't care. My question now so is, sad. have you held one and played it, though? No. That is a big selling point. Because I was, like, not for it at all until I picked one up. And within, like, a minute, I was like, oh, oh, I feel the joy of this console flowing through my veins. Like, something about it is magical, <laughs> you know? Uh, I bet, man. Yeah. It's a pick, joy to pick, play. Just hold one. Just hold one. Next time you go to a game store or anything, if there's one you know, on display, just grab it, man. Touch it. Feel the Nintendo joy, you know? You'll, you'll come over to the dark side. <laughs> I tried to get Sean to play it when we when we were uh, in Philadelphia for Wizard World. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's like a, a night owl, and he would usually stay up later than I was. And I would, like, there was one night where, like, I just, I was like, hey, 
You want to uh, you want to play Zelda? <laughs> it's like, nah, yes. I want to like play it for myself. And I was like, well, you won't buy a Switch. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really, I'm not one to just jump into like playing somebody else's console, especially on a single player game if they're already ahead of the start of the game. So that would never work for me. Um, you could make, I, you could have multiple saves. I told you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't care on any level to play it until Smash comes out. Damn. I'm gonna get you one of these. I'm gonna write them a letter. You come and and visit me in January. I'm gonna get you to play the Switch. We're gonna play some Mario Kart. We'll have a good time. (laughs) Dude, we're gonna. That's what you say. Mario Kart is a good time. Mario Kart's a great time. He said he was going to get me to play it. Oh shit! Uh, Yeah, you gotta stick to it. Um, so it's actually uh, Variety pointed out a little something I just wanted to comment on, where they said the Nintendo Switch, uh, you know, it sells at a, you know a price of three hundred dollars. So uh, with the sale of ten million units, that translates to over three billion dollars in revenue um, based on the Switch sale alone, without even considering um, the sale of games. Like obviously, they're not making three hundred dollars of profit on every Switch sold, but that's a significant amount of money coming in so uh that's great and it means you know we're gonna get more more games so uh good time to be a switch owner shawnee (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh so while we're geeking out over numbers uh PUBG finally came to xbox this week and has sold over 1 million copies in its first 48 hours um you know which is surprising no one but that's fucking crazy that is fucking crazy uh, so Microsoft announced that in a press release, and they also said that in celebration of the game finally coming uh, to Microsoft's platform, that they're going to be giving a free copy of the game to anybody who buys an Xbox One X from December 17th till the 31st. So if you've already bought an Xbox One X, you're fucked. But if you were thinking about getting one for the holidays or whatever, yeah, you can get yourself a free copy of PUBG, uh, which I think is a vet move from Microsoft. The more they can forge an association between... PUBG and Microsoft in people's minds, the better. Um, hey. so while we're, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so you mean uh, the game is released? Uh, I mean, it released on PC. Wow. It's in early access on, on Xbox. Wow. Oh. <laughs> there you go. It hit 1.0 on PC, though. When was that, though? Uh, today? As it recording? Mm, it was like last week. It was like the 14th, I think. Oh. Or the 12th. It, it was recently. Hmm. Um, and uh, while we're checking in on the... Th- oh, wait. No, you're totally right. It's in three it's days. It's not out yet. No, you're totally right. Pete. It's in three days. It's actually not a full game yet. I had totally a crash right. last night on me. It's not out yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and while we're checking in on the PUBG report, um, the Polygon article that I learned about this noted that the PC version is up to 24 million units sold, which is fucking insane. That's great. So we're at like about lifetime sales of 25 million for the game already. In goddamn same. It's decent for an unreleased game. Yeah. Uh, it's a little more than decent for an unreleased game. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey. December 19th, he's going to cancel mean, hey, the project uh, and be like, sorry, I'm It's not I'm a real game, but they're, they've got, you know, like $10 jillion, so I'm sure they're happy with their with their not game. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying, man. He I, can... I would be, too. If I could dupe people to paying for something that wasn't finished, I'd be pretty yeah. pleased. He can buy an too. island right now, and You're he can make monster. the PUBG thing in real life with the amount of money this guy has. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> he just buys his own island, and he's like, that's the plan all along. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so our final news story of the day is uh, going to take us into what I think is a really exciting meat and potatoes. Uh, Take-Two Interactive has announced a new publishing label called Private Division, which will be focusing solely on AA games from some really exciting talent. Uh, all right, so Matt Burtz over at Game Informer wrote a uh, an incredible story that was kind of the announcement of this new uh, initiative. It's got all the nitty-gritty details about the leadership and how this decision came to be made, and uh, it's, it's a really great article, so I highly recommend you check it out and read the rest of the piece for yourselves um, if this announcement is exciting for you. Um, but I'll give you the top-level stuff of it, you know, so you're you're all caught up and we can have the conversation together. Uh, so the publishing arm is going to be joining, you know, Take-Two's roster alongside Rockstar and 2K Games, um, obviously two huge names in video game development, um, which should tell you how big this uh, this publisher is going to be. Um, but instead of focusing on big-budget AAA titles, like I said, they're going to be focusing their efforts on making high-quality AA games that have indie studios that are comprised of AAA talent. So the beauty of this new initiative, the like the really, really interesting thing here is unlike most publishing deals, the company will allow any developers to retain their IP. So you can make a deal here, make your brand new game, get secure backing and funding. Um, but if your IP blows up and you want to go do your own thing, you're free to do that. You know, you don't have to relinquish any of your rights. Um, and that's unheard of, you know, for the most part. Uh, you rarely see deals like this because that's what a publisher gets out of publishing a game is owning it, you know? Um, so the fact that they're really dedicated to finding talented teams who want to do something interesting and innovative and just work with them is a really refreshing initiative, I think. Um, so article, the article in question and the pundits uh, that have talked about it have posited that um, – excuse me. That was a messy sentence. Um so this article and uh, and a lot of pundits who have been talking about it have pointed out um, a, a really clear comparison between this initiative, the type of games that they're talking about making, and Ninja Theory's big hit this year, uh, Hellblade. You know, Senua's Sacrifice cleaned up at the Game Awards. It, it did uh, great in sales, uh, and it didn't cost very much to make. You know, um, and and it was like considered an indie by most people, even though it was worked worked on by what was essentially a AAA team. Uh, so the four slash kind of five teams that they've already signed deals with, um, were shown off in a really stylish announcement trailer, um, that we all got to check out. And, uh, it includes talent from like literally all around the world, um, who have worked on some of the biggest franchises in gaming, as well as uh, a couple really cool indie games. Um, so before we get into like the specifics of it, um, what was your guys' reaction to this announcement? Uh... I think it's cool. I think that we've we've talked about we've talked about how realistic it is to continue to pump out AAA games at the rate that the industry currently does, um, and and whether or not that was a sustainable reality to continue to pursue. Uh, not not that you can't have those games, but just how many can you feasibly put out? Without diversifying what it is that you that you release, and so I think uh, 2K or Take Two taking a step like this to try to put out double A games, right? Um, <clears throat> presumably at a lower price point. Uh, yeah, I would imagine these will be like thirty, forty dollar games. I think that that is. See, I think that 
if you're if you if it's costing you less to make the games, but the fan base is ravenous for your game, and they see that the price point is lower, and that the the people that are making it are some of the best people in the entire industry, you could make more money off your game than if you had made a AAA title. I I, I don't think that that's going to be the case every time, but I think that there are some instances where it will be the case. And on top of that, you can put these games out quicker because it's 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 less. It, it takes less to make a game like this than it does to make a AAA title that t- that can take six years. You know, yeah. Um, so like to three me, or four if you're on a tight schedule, <laughs> right? To me, this is genius, and I wouldn't be surprised if more um, big time publishers start doing this. And I want to talk about that a little bit later once we get through the rest of these game announcements. Um, but yeah, what do you think, Thompson? Yeah, uh, yeah I totally agree with Sean's points. Um, the other thing, too, that I think is really huge for this is like, you know, fans, uh, you know, Battlefront, great example. Um, fan, fans can make or break a game if they dislike it. You know, even the stink about the Street Fighter stuff we were talking about before. Uh, sure. Someone buying one of these games from this, this you know, whoever is their, whoever they, you know, contract, you know that. You're supporting the the developer of it, you know. You're not, um, you know, like it's unfortunate for like Battlefront stuff, but it's like, oh, people didn't want to support EA, even though it was really dice. That's going to get hurt. Something like this, you know, they're in good hands. If they do blow up, like you said, they can, you know, retain their money and they can retain what they have. And like theoretically, they're not going to lose what the games are. You know, if they want to go somewhere else with it, and if it wants to be a franchise, that's fine too. But I think the the real like you know hardcore gamers out there that like boycott this stuff and do vote with their wallets consistently on this kind of stuff you know, they have they have some impact and i think they'll even like come around to this you know yeah i mean this like, is definitely like good a goodwill move like yeah. this is a good like that that line i pointed out right like that's a great pr spin of like yeah we don't retain ip like if you want to bring your game here we'll support you and get yeah. your game out and we'll make money together but you get to control it. It's still yeah. yours. Especially now, yeah. So that's a time huge. when like people are losing trust in publishers in particular. Um, yeah. You know, I think like that's a great. It's point. a really good way as a publisher to still be like, well, we're relevant. We you don't need to not have us. You know, like when something like Hellblade does come out and they prove that you don't necessarily have to have all that behind you to make a great game. I think um, it just reinforces that like when people get angry about like the prices and like loot boxes and you know season passes and everything. And then they turn around and say it's too expensive to make a game. Something like Hellblade comes out at a lower price and wins, what, like four awards or something? I think it was three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And, it's crazy. And I think, like, there's, there is room for that. And uh, I yeah. think, again, let's talk more about that once we get through some of the, the people that they've announced they're working with. So nice. uh, the first team that they, that they talked about is, uh, I believe it's Panache Digital Games. Uh, they're based out of Montreal up in Canada, um, Quebec, the French part of Canada. And um, the team has no games to their name yet, but their creative director is uh, Patrice. De- I think it's Desilet. De- it's French, yeah, so um, probably that. Desilet. Um, yeah. So he he's like actually the creator of the Assassin's Creed franchise, and he was the the he was the lead developer on uh, Assassin's Creed One, Two, and Brotherhood, and oh, then also nice. was a significant creative force in uh, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. So. All of the, you know, the best games in those two franchises uh, are, you know, he his hands are, his fingerprints are all yeah. over them. Uh, so that's huge. Um, they're working on a third-person action survival game called Ancestors the Human Odyssey. They actually announced this game back in 2014, uh, and it was, um, you know, originally supposed to be uh, an episodic release. 
But since they've signed now with Private Division, they've de- decided to shift it to a more traditional release format, and um, they now have the ability to really take their time. You know, they've got a little bit of a safety net. Uh, so the game takes place originally very early in human history, and when human beings are kind of like more prey than predator. And uh, we follow your main character's lineage through, like, all these different historical periods to see, like, a bunch of mankind's, like, greatest achievements. That's right, uh, sounds alley, like a pretty man. interesting game. Yeah. Yeah, this is so my alley. You know, like, I haven't played a game like this since, like, Empire Earth or something, you know? Like, that's, like, old school stuff. Uh, and I've got a, a cool quote from Disolay, who uh, was just talking about the development of it. He said, right now, the game is always in playable form. It's really important for us that we always have a build. We have 15 different builds a day. Wow, um, What? Yeah, they build a new 15 new builds of the game every day. And he says, I play it every night at my place, and it's really unique, fun, different experience that we're building, and I'm really proud of what the team is doing. So, uh, yeah, that's one to be excited for. Um, and this is what we're talking about, right? It's this different kind of experimental game, but it's got AAA quality at a AA price. Yeah, sign me the fuck up. And especially if it's shorter, we've talked, you know, as you get older, like, shorter experiences are great. I love a game I can sit yeah. down and bang out in a weekend, you know, and it's, have, like, that was a meaningful experience, you know, great. It's not a bad thing to say that a game is only, like, un- under 10 hours, you know, because it doesn't yeah. need to necessarily be a 50, 100, like, Witcher 3 is a great example. You don't have time to sit down and explore the 500-hour game, you know? Yeah, I can't commit to a 500-hour game when there's 10 other games I want to play in a year. Uh, if but I, I was, can, like, I can 10 years younger. I can four hours. I could do it yeah, a decade right. ago. <laughs> yeah, right, when I when I was, like, fucking 15, 14 and unemployed. Sure, I could have done it then. <laughs> um, we had the, uh, so the next team they talked about was the Outsiders, who are a team that's based in Stockholm, Sweden, and they're being led by David Goldfarb, who uh, worked on Battlefield Bad Company 2 oh, and nice. Payday 2. And um, they're working on a game that's right now, it's called Project White, but that's just a working title. Um, so it's really interesting. It, uh, kind of flips the, uh, traditional video game RPG trope and, uh, you're playing a, like, Grendel-like monster. Uh, Grendel, for those of you who don't know, comes from the classic poem Beowulf. Um, and you're being hunted by humans and you need to, like, you know, survive and, and escape from them. Uh, so this that's game cool. was revealed back in 2016. There's a trailer up that's been up for forever. Um, it's got over 2 million views on it. So people are, like, about this. Um... And uh, Goldfarb has said that the narrative is a dynamic experience rather than a linear story. So it seems like it might be kind of more experience-based than just, like, it telling you a straight story about this creature. It's more about your experience in the game, um, which is interesting. Would it be maybe, like, one of the old, like, like CRPGs, like, top-down isometrics, maybe? Uh, I, I don't actually no um, it sounds like a fit for that you know i i didn't check out the trailer but i think it's uh people noted that it has really like high quality visuals and stuff so i'm thinking <laughs> it's like a more like uh, first okay. person third person kind of thing all right um but yeah i'll i'll, I'll uh, make sure to link down in the trailer down below um so you guys can check it out for yourselves and uh you know and you know let us know what you think of it um so then the next team is one that needs no fucking introduction i should think uh obsidian um huge yeah yeah right these uh they're gonna be reuniting the fallout creators tim king and leonard boyarski yeah. for a new rpg in a brand new universe wow that's fucking huge my man yeah like, the, that is huge the boys behind new vegas you know yeah it's, right it, it like i don't care what they make if they just make anything it should be great 
So yeah, I mean, and it's a brand new RPG. Um, they said that they plan to reveal more about the project at a later date, but Kane says, "quote If people have liked our previous RPGs, they're going to like this one in terms of how we make reactive worlds and especially our style of humor." Yeah, I'm on board. So get hype! This is going to be really cool. This is, I think, uh, probably the most exciting announcement out of this is like seeing obsidian find a home yeah where they can get support yeah. to make their kind of games and like have a decent budget get to hold on to the ip if it is a big deal not have to sell it right to stay afloat uh yeah fuck yeah like if this is what this is desperately what a studio like obsidian needs it's a shame man they just they had so many great things but they just don't have like control over all these you know properties and look what, what do they make now you know like i'm yeah, so I mean, happy because they've been surviving by the seat of their pants yeah i'm you know? so happy to see them get this safety net and like we know obsidian makes good stuff so this just like reinforces that this what is it um uh uh the company name of this uh oh, oh um it's private what is it private, private division i think private division yeah yeah private division. this just like reinforces like private division is actually like legit i think you know and it's like really good on them to have like an actual name yeah, yeah right because i think it's it's cool because a lot of these studios are like brand new indie startups from people who have a name and you're like okay i trust this person's legacy but it's like but Obs- like yeah. uh not Bethesda. Obs- obsidian um, is there obsidian right? is a is a studio that has lineage you know like they've yeah. done some really important games uh and have had hits recently you know they, they did mm-hmm. uh stick of truth you know like right not right that long that. ago so it's like obsidian is like you know when it comes to rpgs like they're the they're you know they're good. They're, <laughs> they're just really good at it. You know, like we we can trust that they're what like when I say the creators of Fallout are gonna make a brand new RPG and they have total control. Yeah, like that is a that's significant. So let's see what happens there. Um, and a similar game, kind of like Shrouded in Mystery, we got uh le- we learned about V1 Interactive, who is um, based in Seattle, Washington. They're led by Marcus Lato who worked at Bungie for uh, almost 20 years, uh, helped create Halo and Destiny. Um, their game is being crept secret, but Leto told Game Informer this about it. He said, quote, The most I can say right now is it's a sci-fi first-person shooter unlike any shooter that you've ever seen. It's kind of in our DNA. It's kind of the thing that our studio is really dang good at making. So we're excited to every day be pushing this game forward from the story perspective to the multiplayer side of things and all the other big parts. Hmm. So, see what happens, man. It's another one where it's like this guy knows how to make a fucking shooter. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like let's see what he does with a smaller team, smaller format. Like that could be really interesting. You know, like I, I feel like first person shooters are a genre that could really use a shot in the arm. Yeah, so, dude, I was just about to say that they they need some kind of th- and like sci fi is the, is like a really good zone for it, dude. Because like look at Halo and Destiny, super successful franchises. Not just because like good writing or anything like that, but because like they nailed the aesthetic of what it is that you know just like call of duty yeah. nailed what it was for like world war ii aspect and shit like but the genre is getting stale you know and, like i'm not playing destiny i know you guys aren't and it's like i i'd love to have like another like sci-fi shooter like halo to have you know like a halo for a new generation that isn't especially lighter halo actually you know, you know? Well, yeah yeah absolutely and especially something that's lighter like yeah, something that's like a 10 hour experience or something like that exactly, like yeah, yeah. fucking yeah, sign me $40 up 40 dollar sci-fi shooter like i used to play you know, any kind of, like, dumb sci-fi shooter like that, you know? Like, the Metro games we were talking about the other day, even, they nail that, too. Like, they're based in the real world very much, but they are very sci-fi, you know? And this just fucking nails it for me, you know? Double-A kind of game like that. Another exciting one, for sure. Um, and then the publisher is also uh, going to be handling Squad, 
who's the indie team based out of Mexico City who created Kerbal Space Program. Fuck yeah. So this is interesting because this is actually a different relationship than any of these other uh, teams. So this acquisition uh, by Take-Two was actually announced all the way back in May. Um, but it seems like they're going to be in charge of the team from now on. So it seems as though um, – again, I'm sorry. It's Private Division. Yeah, Private Division is not going to be above buying studios. Like it seems like it's possible for them to own – uh, at least some teams and, and support them in similar ways, but that they'll also be making more third-party kind of uh, partnerships with these teams where they allow them to retain their IP. But uh, Take-Two just owns Kerbal outright, and they're putting them under this banner. So well, well, it remains to be seen if that's an outlier, if that's something that they'll consider doing moving forward. You know, like maybe they end up having a really great relationship with Obsidian and they make a bunch of games with them they decide they want to be bought. You know, that happens. We saw that happen with Respawn. Um, but it's kind of Wild West. They're still brand new. We don't know where this is all going to go. Uh, so that's really exciting. This is like, this is great, man. It's a brand new idea for the gaming and like for the industry side of it too, you know? Like right now, any of these new ideas are really good. Cause like this think about like all the bad shit that's happened this year, uh, I, I think is like still really fresh for a lot of people, you know? We have really positive things like the Switch breakout success cause it was like a new idea. And then we have this, I think is going to be really good. It seems like, all these outside especially, the box things, you know? Yeah, especially when we saw 2K drop the ball this year with yeah, NBA and, and some of the other, like, mm-hmm. I know they had microtransaction transaction issues as well in um, the, the UFC Forza. game. And uh, so, yeah, it. Uh, I think this is a really good move for Take Two as a company and healthy for the industry as well. Um, because I think one of the things the article points out is how. When indies blew up, we saw AA die and fall away. Is that the only kind of games that exist now are indies make little indie games that are, you know, um, usually cheaper, tighter, more focused, and AAA studios make AAA games. And, like, AA games are few and far between. You know, like, maybe stuff like Life is Strange um, and uh, a few other outliers. But for the most part, that's not really a thing we see. You know, Hellblade uh, came out and made Waves 2 again, though, this year, and to me, I think it's it shows that there's an untapped market for this kind of game. And uh, I wanted to reopen this conversation, take a pin out of what Sean said earlier, right? So I think we can all agree we're all excited by this, right? This is a cool announcement. Uh, do you think there's an untapped market for this? Do you think that we're going to see a renaissance of these kinds of games and other publishers will make similar moves? Or do you think that this might just be um, Private Division's niche, that they might be the go-to place to do this if you are a developer like Obsidian or you are a developer like one of these new indie studios who's got big talent uh, but no money. <laughs> so, I first of all, I think, I think that, yes, this is something that gamers would like. Um, but not because... So, the reason why I think this is something gamers would like is because the kinds of games that they're talking about making at least in some of these instances, are not weird and wacky sort of like, you know, off-the-beaten-path games. You're talking about uh, developers who are are hardened that helped make Halo coming out and making a new shooting game that is completely something we've not seen before but still has that DNA of shooting games that people want. You know, that is something that is extremely attractive. Yeah. Um, the pedigree is beautiful for, like, ex- in Fallout, making another RPG type of game. You know, like, we, we have it on two instances. Exactly. Uh, that's something that gamers are clamoring for. Because you also know 
that they are going to be keenly aware of the problems that AAA shooting games and, and all kinds of games have. Will these games have uh, microtransactions? Will they have DLC? I'm, I'm willing to bet that if they do, it's not going to be as... Um, you're not going to feel like you're being, you know, raked over the coals for every amount of money it that you have. It will be egregious, at least. <laughs> exactly. Um, because they're not going to need to. Because these aren't AAA games that have expectations of selling X amount of copies and making X amount of money that you can only do by attaching micro microtransactions to the game. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's one element. And then... Right, because these games don't need to cost $60 or have those things if they don't cost hundreds of millions of dollars and need to employ 200, 300 people to make. Exactly. And with um, a longer timeline. You know, if, right. if they're not as like – if it's not as important for the games to be coming out on like a two or three-year cycle or something like that, yeah, like that 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 matters. Absolutely. Uh, and then – I also think that as far as like will this be will this be the place to go to make this kind of game, it's really going to depend on the reaction of other studios. Uh, gaming is just so young and in such an interesting place because it it seems like uh, gaming is trying to get away from being controlled by a few major publishers who have no interest in being either pro-consumer or pro-developer. Um, they're kind of just pro themselves. And there are... A, we've, the last few years have been the years of the indies in a lot of ways. And you look at some of the biggest gaming stories of this year, look at PUBG, you know? I make fun of that game all the time. But the reality is that that's a game that did not come from any of the major developers. And it's probably the most talked about game of the year. And that's that that matters, you know? And it proves that gamers just being willing to make games and developers being willing to break away from uh big time publishers and try to make it on their own or big time publishers taking a chance like this to do something that's going to matter in the long run, all of those things are breaking down the systems that keep us getting the same regurgitated games over and over and over again. And if and if this is a success, it could change the entire industry. Yeah, and I, well said, I think man. Yeah, that's beautifully said, man. And I I think there's a really salient point there too that I want to highlight, uh, is that I think one of the issues with AAA development that we've talked about, right, is that, like, the reason we get the same regurgitated shit over and over is because it sells and it's safe. And AAA development has gotten nothing if not – or has become nothing if not safe because it's so big that you can't afford a failure. It's not an option. Like, well, if you put out a game and it doesn't yeah. make a profit, you don't get to make another game for certain studios, you know, like that's yeah. how it works. It sucks and to be a smaller one for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and, and that's a problem for any developer, right? Like that's, yeah, like, that's yeah, can afford to like, the board. you know, lose a, a one or two, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But, um, but in some cases, development teams can't, right? No, they, like, they can't. Look at like a, a, a team like, um, you know, when they close respawn, it's like mm -hmm. respawns games didn't make a lot. Or, oh wait, no respawn is that's wrong. That's Titanfall. The, who am the I dead space of? team, the dead space guys. I can't remember who they are. Visceral. Visceral. Yeah. Yeah. They, their games didn't make that much money, 
So right. like when that's it why, was yeah. a thing of like they're bleeding money, we got to shut them down. Like that's how it works. And the idea that they have what seems to be a more flexible system, right, where they can make these partnerships or acquisitions where they make sense, um, this is going to be a breeding ground for new IP. And I think you could see some of these games where it would be like, okay, cool. Let's put out a game that is AAA quality at a AA price that's smaller and shorter, and then that becomes an established IP. And then maybe it gets to become a AAA because it's not as much of a risk to make the $40, you know, whatever game. And if it's big, then maybe you get a bigger budget next time and you go and do the AAA thing. And maybe you don't do it at one of the publishers. You do it with these guys. You know, and you get to still keep your fucking, your IP, you know, or, or whatever. You do the Kickstarter route. You do whatever you got to do to keep growing your series in the way that makes sense. But this will be a great way for us to get AAA quality new IP so that all the new exciting IP isn't coming from the indie space. You know, and it's not um, smaller $15, $20 games. It is things that are a little bit closer to the, the big budget stuff, you know, like stuff like Hellblade. Stuff like Life is Strange. Like, that's that really could shake up the whole industry. I think uh, I think a big deal, too, with this for me is, like, development costs of games are astronomically high for some things. And a lot of times, it obviously creates a really great game. But I don't think gamers... I don't mean this in, like, a bad way. I appreciate high graphics and all that. But I don't think we asked for it to have, you know, like, star voice actors and stuff sometimes you know like if you can make a game that had like a little less for the development cost of less you know like and put it out a, a smaller thing that's what these people are doing like i've been talking about this with you pete for the last five years i've talked to you pretty much you know about this kind of stuff in general Th- this is basically you know like i understand games cost a shitload to make but you know like they don't all have to be gigantic so this really fits the niche for me i'm i'm, I'm really happy to see obsidian again like i gotta just like Fallout team, you know, they haven't done anything in a long time, I guess, like that, that, uh, in that, that just straight up RPG thing. And the, the fact that they get to do something like that, like, that's like a childhood, uh, studio I've, I've had since I was like, wh- whenever I even had my first, like, computer, I was like six or something, you know? And like, yeah, black when they were Black Isle. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that was, that was great, dude. So I'm just imagining there's going to be someone out there now that gets to play a brand new Obsidian game when they're like, you know, 10 or something and like, it's great to see them still kicking, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I actually want to just rewind on one of the questions I asked about the whole thing of, like, them being the go-to place. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's it's some... interesting because you said, Sean, right? It'll it, It's going to matter how these four publishers are treated. Or not publishers, developers, right? Like, if Obsidian keeps working with these guys, that's a badge of honor. That shows that this is a safe place to go and make your game, you know? Um, and I think it's going to be interesting because, Sean, you said you think that other publishers are going to follow suit, right? I think that if this initiative is successful, they'll have to. They'll have and, to because, like, they can't lose a part of their monopoly, man, you know? Yeah, what, right. If there's money to be made, there's money to be They're made. They're going to go right? for it. Like, that's the kind of thing where I think you could really see a lot – like, this could be really good for AAA developers where you're like, hey, like – because you see how you keep seeing, like – Every one of these examples that wasn't Obsidian was someone who was like, I worked at Bungie for 20 years. I worked here for 20 years. How cool would it be if, like, you know, we start seeing this kind of initiative at other studio, at other publishers, and they're like, hey, we, you've been working on Assassin's Creed for, like, 12 years. We know you want a break. You've earned this. Take 30 people. Take your, your 15 best workers and go make a game. 
whatever game you want to make. We'll, we'll let you make it, get your breath of fresh air, then you give us another Assassin's Creed. You give us another big game or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. you know? Or if your indie games are good, we'll let you keep making them, you know? Like, whatever it is. I, th- I think you're probably right. I think that we will probably see more initiatives like this. But it'll be interesting because I think we're private um, – I need to learn their name. Private – Private division? Private division. Where I yeah. think private division has a leg up is this IP thing. Yeah, is that our other publishers sure. going to offer as lucrative a deal there of like, hey, we'll give you the money and we won't try to steal your IP away from you. And when you think about that, it's Take-Two. Take-Two's got big fucking money. Like these games are, could get good budgets for what they need. They'll probably get more resources than they need when you have Grand Theft Auto raking in money like no other fucking property has ever done in history. You know how much they can recycle that just back into the fucking – the overall machine, you know? Um and I, I'm not sure that that's exactly how it works, but you have to imagine that they're putting a lot of money into establishing oh, this, yeah, this sure. publisher because they're trying to make it rival fucking 2K and Rockstar, who are two of the biggest publishers in the game. And they're putting out this is their th- new third arm, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. I don't – I don't. it's going to be hard to compete, I think, like, yeah. with this because they've, they've – this is a great fucking offer. Like <laughs> – there's, there's also, like, a huge response for, for games that are made, you know, like, by people who, like, actually want to make games rather than just make money. And, you know, like, Cuphead and stuff was just, like, a passion project, you know, like, like uh, the old, you like... You can, like, yeah, you can see the love there. You know, like, the the one, um, oh, what was that game? You go through the desert, it's just, like, an exploration game. Um, Journey. Journey. Like, Journey, you know, it was, like, a tiny little thing, and it just was, like, people loved it, you know? It was a hit, like, Hellblade was a hit. Like, this year alone, we had, like, three indie titles just, like, be... In, incredibly in the forefront of the of most of the stories of our news this year and like it, it it's it's weird to think that like we haven't done this sooner now that like you look at this the ip thing is certainly like their advantage but like i think other studios if this succeeds like they are gonna have to like compete man they can't secede an entire place that just all of a sudden uh you know private division is the only place to go and guess what there's no other to, team is going to want to go anywhere else if they get too big too fast you know yeah uh i think i think that this is something that people are going to have to recognize it it reminds me of in some ways how filmmakers will take a step back and after making a super huge movie make something smaller um you know or even in comics or or even in comics yeah um yeah common yeah how often we see people go to image to do this same thing right i want to tell my story and i don't want to lose the rights to it and image is like yeah okay cool we'll work with you even i know enough about comics to know that that's been a huge trend lately (laughs) yep and we've seen a lot of success this is necessary and i'm glad that they're that, that that some big publisher finally realized what they had to do and i think double a is Double A games are going to be as important as Triple A games in the back half of the 2010s and going into the 2020s. I, yeah, I think that's a really salient point. And um, you know, say what you will about the mistakes they made with like, microtransactions this year at 2K. I think Take Two is a great publisher to be doing this. You know, I think um, when you look at how they handle like Rockstar and how like Rockstar's logo is just a badge of quality and that like even in a game like gta right which is famous for how much it's made money because of microtransactions no one's complaining about them because they're good 
Well, yeah, because it was done in a way that wasn't, you know, like slapping you for doing it. You know, you didn't right. feel insulted when you when you wanted to spend money on it. You know? And the yeah, and the point I'm making with that is that Take Two puts out quality games. They are in the business yeah. of making games that are so good that you spend way more money than you should on them. That's what they do. Um, you know, they're they're the company behind Bioshock. They're the company behind Grand Theft Auto, 2K, like 2K. You know what I mean? NBA. So. <laughs> there is a real reason to be excited that this is happening and that they're the ones behind it. I think this is going to be incredibly successful. And uh, I absolutely agree with Sean's assessment that I think, you know, maybe not next year, maybe not 2019, but when we start really seeing the fruition of these deals, this is going to be a big fucking deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more deals like this come out before these games come out. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, man, I'm surprised Blizzard hasn't started doing something like this because they're big enough now. I feel with the the just reach that they have, you know, and considering they only work on their their core titles, you know, they could afford to do something like this. I think I think Blizzard's a little different though in that Blizzard, well, they are, yeah, they're very much only concerned with what they do. They're 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 not. I don't think they're looking to get involved in this in that space. They're very much into blizzard and people I, make the joke of oh blizzard's a small indie company so no no I, you know what i what i um, mean is like they have just only like four games that they really champion though you know surprise there hasn't been people in blizzard do like saying hey we like to make like more shit but like it may not be a giant blizzard game you know it might just be like a one-off but that's the, that's my point though i yeah. think blizzard is focused on making huge tentpole games that yeah. will last Many, 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 many. They make games and services. That's what they yeah. do, and they yeah. don't—they're not interested in. Doing I'm just surprised else. that there isn't someone in there that's called out for something like that. You know, I think I think that we'll probably see, so like Microsoft do this makes the most sense to me because Microsoft is desperate need of mm. IP, of IP and, and not IP that Google. they own, but just games. Like they need exclusive. Yeah, yeah. and they're and doing the they, PUBG shit too. Right, like if they yeah. could have more deals where they're like. Cuphead, exactly what they did with Cuphead, where they're like, hey, you're doing this really cool, exciting indie game that you can't afford to make. Here's the money to make it. Let's put it out. I think if they did that, um, they're they're the most likely candidate in my mind for doing something like this. I could see Ubisoft doing something like this as well because they have a lot of very pro-indie, pro-artistic game um, attitudes looking at their UbiArt initiative. Um, They're they're very friendly to like their own you know, inward workings and stuff, it seems, you know? Yeah, and they're, they're again, they're in the business of making, they, they like to make games. They want to yeah. make good games. They want to make all kinds of games for all they, kinds of games. They strike so. a great balance of trying to make money while also making great games. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think the, the, those two are the people that I think of as the most likely candidates for doing something like this. Maybe even Square Enix, they're in that space too, I think. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I think this is a really exciting initiative, and I'm excited to see what the ripples from this action are in the games industry because games industry is reactive. And if yeah. this is, if there's money to be made here, you better believe everybody else is going to want to make that fucking money. It's going to be cool. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for the conversation here on episode 33 of the Video Game Pals. Thank you guys again so much for joining us here another week. We love doing this show. We hope you're enjoying it as much as we love putting it on for you. Uh, remember that if you guys want to have your thoughts right on the air or uh, connect with us, ask us any questions, any of that kind of stuff, you can drop us an email at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can hit up the Comics Pals anywhere your social media is sold. 
um, you know, we're Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, you can also uh, follow each of our individual social medias, uh, all that stuff, and uh, just reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you and hear your thoughts about all the, the exciting stuff going on in the world of gaming. Uh, make sure you check out Pals Play Monday through Friday on YouTube. If you're over on YouTube, make sure you like this video, share it with a friend, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, if you're an audio listener, do the same. And we really greatly appreciate it. It's a huge help to uh, helping the show grow. And um, remember, we're trying to hit that 100 subscriber mark on YouTube. So... Go over there. Give us a subscribe if you haven't already. We'd really greatly appreciate it. Um, so before we wrap it up, let's do some plugs. Sean, why don't you start? Uh, you can find me on at, so- at Sean Soapbox on Twitter only. Uh, I still want to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi, even though we just did that on the most recent episode of the Comics Palace. So reach out to me on Twitter and tell me why it's the best Star Wars movie ever. All right. Thompson? You can find me at Relic Vampire on Twitter, and I would also like to talk about Star Wars because I haven't had a chance, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone else. So, hey, Sean, we'll, we'll have a conversation on Twitter. <laughs> Tweet at me, bro. <laughs> uh, and if you guys want to catch up with me, you can find me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Talk to me about The Last Jedi, too, if you want. Uh, get me an at me on that conversation. And uh, you can check out cute pictures of my cat over on Instagram. Uh, if you want to check out my writing, uh, I write freelance articles over at CBR. Um, I've got one up this week about uh, Finn from Star Wars. I've also got one that's still making me money on Majin Buu from Dragon Ball Z. So uh, if you guys could go check those out, um, give them a click and uh, help me make a couple bucks. That would be greatly appreciated. And um, you know, catch me on all the other shows we do here on the Pals Network. Uh, I'm on Pals Play with Thompson Monday through Friday. We're doing Doki Doki, Mario Odyssey, Dishonored, and Life is Strange and Shovel Knight right now. Uh, if any of those games are your bag, go check them out. Um, check out me and Sean on the Comics Pals. Like he said, we've got our Star Wars review up, so you can go check out our thoughts on that. And um, the last episode of the Riverdale Review before the break is going to be this week as well. Um, they're going on their midseason finale so um yeah we talked all about that one and it was a good time so uh, i hope you'll check that stuff out and let us know what you think about it what other kind of stuff you'd like to see us try out uh and with that we are the video game pals signing off take care guys goodbye peace